Welcome to the world of Rex. I am Marvel A. Rex, and this is my world. It is also your world. In this podcast, we will discuss any and every topic imaginable, from socioeconomic political theory and philosophy to gender clowning to the occult sciences, y'all. It's going to be a wild ride. Strap in. Marvel A-Rex? Well, I am a true renaissance person. I do a little bit of everything. I am an artist, first and foremost, an actor, a writer, director, producer, philosopher, and yes, a cult practitioner. I am an astrologer of over 15 years, I am a student of the I Ching, and I am experimenting with my human design. And on that note, I deeply hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the world of of Rex. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are in the world right now. Here I am. It is Marvel A Rex. I am present on Monday morning. We are here on March 21st. It is the first full day of Aries season in the energy of Aries season, the 20th, the vernal equinox is this beautiful transition moment. It's the birth. It's the rebirth through the canal. And so now we are here on Monday, the 21st, and I'm going to be talking about the energies between the 21st and the 27th. And then we are going to have Megan Joy May on one more time. We had a little bit of technical difficulties last time with some lag. So we are going to work through those technical difficulties this time and hopefully bring you better audio and um, more of a flow in the conversation. Uh, Regardless, it was a great conversation. It was very Pisces Virgo. It was about taking care of the body, taking care of the daily routines, sleep cycles, circadian rhythm. So check that episode out. That was last episode, episode three. And it's a really great primer on just like how to take care of the vessel as we move forward into a really raunchy spring. This is where it really is truly. I mean, this it sounds a little basic to say this, but this spring has sprung. It is the 21st. Spring has fully sprung. We did daylight savings in most of the U.S. Not all states do daylight savings, but most of the U.S. did daylight savings. We moved forward, spring forward, and spring has sprung. This is happening, again, I'm speaking to the Northern Hemisphere here, where our days are getting longer. In the Southern Hemisphere, their days are getting shorter. But for us, you know, here, speaking to a Northern Hemisphere perspective, the energy is becoming more available. There is literally more light available. And so I want you to, this week, think about some part of your life. There is an archetype, archetypal energy happening right now where some part of your life is waking up that has been dormant since the um, fall equinox, since, you know, basically six months ago. So you have had something that fell asleep or was falling asleep. And now and in winter, you might have felt like, oof, this this place feels really stagnant or I just need to let it be for a minute. And now something is waking up. There is an aspect of your life that is waking up. It could be your relationships. It could be your 
occupation. It could be your passion projects. It could be, you know, your relationship to your pets. Like it can be so many different things, but something is waking up and it has a lot of fuel available right now. So I love that. Um, it makes me very excited as someone who does resonate with the energy of spring very much so. Um, I think of, of course, the element fire, which I mentioned last episode. This is a very fiery time. Uh, it will lead to more stability, but just know that March 20th to April 20th is a profound period of time for us to go, 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 to like jump into the, to the saddle and ride off. Now, it can be a very impulsive time. It can be um, a very, especially this first week of this archetypal energy, the 21st to the 27th, you can really, um, it can be a little jolting. And the reason it can be jolting and a little dangerous is that we have just come out of a month of dreaminess, of like internal exploration of purging hopefully some of you cried and let yourself feel the feels last week that was very important to do the week prior to this spring energy because it allows you to sort of cl like clean out your internal mechanism so that you can the, so that the machine can take off running right like so that you can take off running basically but it can be jolting coming from that dreamy energy into full steam ahead, let's get rocking and rolling. I do kind of love that. I mean, I, I, I am very much a mix of these two energies. And so is uh, Megan Joy Maya, our host, our, our guest. Um, I'm the host, I guess. Um, who is the guest and who is the host? That is the question. Um, but re regardless, we are we embody these sort of uh, disparate energies, this energy of dreamy interiority, and this energy of like, you just explosive creativity and dynamism. So I kind of like this transition period of the year, but it can be taxing on the system actually. So just listen to the previous episode because we talk a lot about ways to nourish the nervous system. They can be really amped up between March 20th and April 20th. Our nervous systems can get really taxed when we're in like a fire elemental phase. So eating foods that are cooling, I'm just going to mention this really quickly, like cucumbers, mint, drinking lots of water, drinking water with electrolytes, um, doing things that are just like calming and cooling, drinking, drinking chamomile. Really great during this month because there you are going to feel this energy. It is a formatting energy. It's going to be felt by everybody in some area of their life where something is waking up. As of the 20th of, of March, something woke up in your life and is hungry. And I want you to imagine the energy here is, um, again, if we're talking about larger cycles, this week actually represents the birth of the baby. So a baby has been born in your life in some way. And in some ways, you are that baby right now. Anyone who is born between March 20th and April 20th has this sort of baby-like archetypal energy anyway, but we also, all of us take it on during this month time. So this first week, the baby is born and that baby is hungry and that baby is crying and that baby's like, I need these things right now. There's a, like, there's an immediacy to this energy that's so different than what I was telling you the last couple of weeks, which was like, feel the dream, but don't act like just kind of be in it, feel the feelings write, do creative things, listen to music and dance. This energy is so different. This energy is so different because it's, it's like, it is creative as well. And yet 
it's like, let's do things right now. There's an immediacy. There's, it's not a dream. It's like, how do we make it a reality right now? How does the baby get fed right now? And the baby's metaphorical, right? Of course. Some of you are actually having babies, great. But also, whatever the baby is in your life, whether it's a creative process, um, a project that you're working on in collaboration or by yourself, um, a, ro a romantic relationship that's just beginning, or um, a, f a work relationship, whatever it is that's beginning in your life right now, it, it, there's an immediacy. There's You're going to feel actually like a little bit of an adrenal boost here of like, we got to go. We got to make it happen. So yes, great. Um, my balancing sort of advice for that, again, is to keep the nervous system in balance, in check, cooling things, things that cool the fire a little bit so that you just make less impulsive decisions because there is an incredible energy right now of like, impulsivity and things happening in a in lickety split split like let's make it happen now again though on a positive side this is an amazing time of year to put yourself out there uh march 20th to april 20th beginning this week if there is something that you want to take a chance on or take a risk on it's funny because my mother just texted the group chat with my brothers and I. She's so cute. She's from Spain. She's, well, she wouldn't say she's from Spain. She's from Barcelona. She's, she's Catalan. She's from the Iberian Peninsula. Okay. We'll keep it vague. And she, so I just, every time I read her texts, it's in her accent. It's always like, hey, babies, how are you doing? It's so great. Oh, I love. So she's going to kill me if she hears this. But she sent us a text this morning that was very much, she, you know, she doesn't follow the astrology. She doesn't follow the archetypal energies or the human design or the I Ching that I do, right? None of that. But she sent us a text that was exactly embodying Aries season. And it was a, a picture of a quote. Because, you know... Boomers love quotes. They just love quotes. They like to like they like to buy those those wooden little pieces of board with the quotes on them and hang them around the house. Amazing. Um, and the quote she sent was like, "If your if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not worth like following or taking." Right? Like they had there has to be a, a degree of fear involved. Right? Like you like you got to scare the horses. And that is this energy. That quote she sent to the group chat was very much like, that's this energy of this week is like, what is something in your life that is emerging, that's waking up like a big baby that's like coming out of the out of the like hibernation period and is like, I need your attention. What is that baby saying? And can you take a risk around it? Can you take it? Can you take a chance? It will be scary. There is an element of fear involved here. There is an element of, like I said, the adrenal push. Like Megan and I were talking about this last episode. You need a degree of cortisol. You need a degree of stress hormone to do anything, to do anything. Um, it is necessary. So there is there is that energy available. There is that level of cortisol that's going to kick in archetypally over the next month. It's going to kick in big time. What this week can you start to see out of your out of the foggy haze that you just emerged from in this late winter transition period time this dreamy haze what can you see that is waking up the eyes are open and what can you take a risk on how can you push yourself to grow this is an an amazing growth cycle if we think about gardening this is when seeds are planted this is when Farmers know that there generally will not be a frost that will kill the plants off. So it's go time, baby. It, I just did that. I mean, I just planted 36 seedlings yesterday. So 
I trust. I'm like, there's not going to be a, a, well, I mean, it's LA. There's not going to be a frost. But like, I also know that it's time for them to grow. And that is metaphorically available in your life right now. Something in your life is hungry. It wants you to take a risk or a chance on it. And it, it also, this risk or this chance is tied in with you also putting yourself out into the world in a new way and asserting something that I want to call the I am. That is a big part of this energy. The I am. Who am I? That is a big process of discovery during this period of time. You're taking a risk to understand yourself better and to understand another element of who you are, the many things that make up who you are, through the through the process of risk-taking, through the element of risk, of taking a chance, of putting yourself out there. We often are, especially like many other parts of the year, are a lot more conservative. This is not as conservative as of an energy right now. This is more like, let's fuck it, let's go, the baby's hungry, like, let's go, right now, right now. Um, <laughs> and so just lean into it. You know, like I said, of course, I had my caveats of like trying to keep the nervous system in balance and, and really trying not to go too far off the deep end. Um, it just in terms, even just like accident, this is an accident prone time. People, you know, some of the, some of the greatest athletes have this archetypal energy in their, in their charts and in their maps. Some of the greatest MMA fighters, right? Like this is like fighting warrior energy right now because it's so physical and it's so immediate and it's so fast. But the other side of it is that those are sports in which you can get very gravely injured in. So just mind, be mindful of, of, yes, you're taking risks. Yes, you're pushing your comfort zone. That's a big part of this week beginning is like, where can you push your comfort zone and start taking action? If you hear any word in this first little segment I'm doing, it's action. I was not saying that last week, and I was not saying that the week before, but this week is about action. It's better, I will say this, as speaking, using MMA as an example, it's better when your action has been refined. So practicing your action before implementing it, um, taking even just like one day to refine an action or to refine the, like, if you're like, okay, I'm ready to take a risk in this area of my life. Giving yourself one day which is, I think, during this period of time is like so much time. It's, it's really generous. Giving yourself one day to really think through the action and just think through it. Just be like, okay, what, like, what is my intention? Like, what am I trying to achieve by pushing my comfort zone out here? I know it's scary. I acknowledge it's scary. I acknowledge that my ego feels threatened by this new idea of where to move. But let me just take some time to meditate on it. And then let's take action. So this is a great week for that. We are coming down off of a full moon energy that happened um, Mar uh, March 17th, 18th. So, you know, when you're in a waning phase where the moon is, is going from big to small, there's still a lot that we're processing from the previous week. So you're probably, I would also just add a layer to this action-oriented time. There's a layer of like still deciphering the fog or the haze or whatever was illuminated around the dream last week. Again, though, it's time to like move and shift from the self undoing or the, the getting lost in the dream and into the I am. 
into the action-oriented phase of I am through conscious risk-taking. That's really all I want to say about this week. It's very, very clear. I, I think that the most important thing that we could do this week as individuals, because this is a very individualistic energy, it's not actually a communal or tribal energy. It's very individualistic. It's very selfish. I don't mean that even in a qualitatively negative way. I just mean like self-oriented. This is a very self-oriented energy. And it's precisely self-oriented so that we can get to know ourselves better and more intimately through risk-taking, through expanding our comfort level, through expanding our comfort zone so that we can be a better citizen of the world. So this process right now is like, yes, dig into what you need to do for you how to take care of your inner baby that's crying in some aspect of your life so that you can be a better citizen of the world down the line. But right now, the focus is, what do I need to do for myself? This is a great time for athleticism or for physical movement in general because there is a lot of fire available. There's a lot of heat. It's also a great time to, like I said, reach out, communicate, communicate who you are, um, share who you are, discover more about who you are. Um, really great time to just like dive into a creative project or a love relationship or romance. Like this is like just being like, I'm going to take a risk in this area. Super, super powerful. Uh, in the guest portion, which I'm actually going to segue to pretty quickly here, um, Megan and I, Megan is born on March 20th. So again, I'm choosing a lot of my guests as they appear on this podcast, generally through the archetypal energies that they represent. So I will be picking folks who are, there's a method to my madness is what I'm saying is that I'm generally looking towards folks who have, um, placements or energies that are resonant to the energies that are happening during the year because they are, they embody them. They embody these things that I'm talking about. And so Megan and I are about to talk about, you know, who knows where the conversation will go ultimately, but we will start with the idea of, of self-identification and identity and talking about identity in general, identity politics that are, you know, very big in the world right now, especially in neoliberal, you know, uh, groups and social justice groups and stuff like that and how we choose to um, – present ourself to the world and the language we choose to present ourselves, right? Because this is all communicated largely through language, but also, you know, fashion and, and optics and um, body modification or, or lack of body modification. So there's a lot of interesting things we're about to dive into. I will leave my portion, my segment, just by saying this week, honor yourself and also take a risk somewhere in your life where you're like, I'm ready to grow for the growth of my identity, I'm ready to put myself out like far outside of my comfort zone in some area. This could be something like going on a date with someone you'd never go on a date with or taking a new class that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. Um, to use an example of myself, like I'm starting to learn jujitsu ju and as someone who is not assigned male at birth, it's a really intense it can be a really intense experience to be in spaces that often feel dominated by folks who were assigned male at birth, who are, you know, muscular and large and like hitting each other. It's, it's, there are elements that I'm like, oh, I really have to navigate this. I have to be, I have to be, I, I am taking a risk. I am, there are moments where I have to acknowledge that I am scared 
you know, <laughs> that's just like, that's very clear, right? That's a very clear example because, and it's also very true to this energy of being a warrior. Like I'm actually doing something that is warrior-like, but it is outside of my comfort zone. Um, so doing something like that this week would be amazing, or at the very least starting to meditate on how to take action because the month of March 20th to April 20th will be an action-oriented month. Things will move quickly. And as we head into April, um, especially April 20th timeframe into Taurus season, the next season after this, uh, where spring has truly sprung, like it's really in full bloom, things are going to get really ratcheted up, as I have been saying throughout the podcast. So just know that this is this is the uh, we are moving, we are cooking with gas, the Roller coaster is officially taking its first down downturn to go real, start getting real fast and and um, ratcheting up ratcheting up the miles per hour. So, yeah, we're off to the races. Be safe, take risks, and wake up that part of yourself that's hungry. Like acknowledge it and be like, yes, okay, this is scary, but like, yes, I'm ready. And on that note, we are going to shift to my conversation with Megan Joy May, and we're going to talk about the I am. Welcome, Megan Joy May. We are back for a second week. I get you back to back. I love every moment of it. We are here to discuss the energies of March 21st to the 27th, which is spring has sprung. We are here. You embody these energies, and I'm so glad to have a very different conversation with you today, which is going to be in contrast in some ways and then resonant in other ways with the conversation we had last week about that tail end of, of the late winter season. And um, how are you doing? This, oh, my this gosh. Season? Oh, my gosh. I was listening. So I was listening to your intro before we're hopping on here. And as you're outlining the quality of like this week that we're living through right now, the, the week of the 14th and how it's like, I don't just the heaviness. And I was also listening to Ann Ortley and her talking about the heaviness of this week of the 14th. And I was like, shit, <laughs> I was like, last week was already like a really hard, um, thing to get through and so but now I, but I was also like oh shit and then I was also like maybe I'm like a little ahead of it now like I kind of get it and um mm -hmm. yeah I'm excited I I it was feeling into the whole you know premise of that Piscean be with the body and then feeling into what was coming out was like this after our last recording this kind of like more flared up juiciness um mm -hmm. and trying to I was embodying that in my mind and on my walk uh getting ready so yeah just feeling wanting to be a little bit more candid I mean I think that I I just tend to be that way anyways but in a different breadth of my expression of self yes yes we are gonna get like I want to get kind of wet and wild today in terms of just to match the energy of this week coming up and also to just be raw and like experimental and taking risks right after and you know we are recording just for the audience we are recording a week ahead so it, it, we are still so deep in this like letting go energy and this heavy energy in this morning, um, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, morning energy, 
to to clear out and get ready for the explosive energy of the spring but still i think we can kind of like talk about that fire and speak to the yes. fire you have that fire in you you got venus and aries like i know you got it yeah um, i showed up in my tank top because that's where it got to when we got off the phone or we got off the recording last time as i was like shedding layers and yes. i was like oh it's gonna be a hot take so i'm just gonna show up in my tank top ready to, ready to sweat it out boom yes Amazing. Well, the last thing I ended my segment on was the I am. And, you know, I will say, as a, yes, I know. I knew I knew it. I knew you were going to get excited. I, I since I've known you, you know, nine and a half years, this this beautiful nodal cycle that we've this dance we've been on. I know one of the first things I really was taken by with relating to you was you had this you would write down I am. And then there was these lists of I am. And I, I, I remember being like, wow, I didn't, I hadn't met anyone who was like really like listing the way, the kind of even like to go back to last episode, the mundane ways in which you were I aming. You were like, I am someone who drinks eight glasses of water a day. And I was, and I remember reading that, that you'd written and I was like, what? Why? Amazing. So I guess I want to, I want to hand the, the hot baton off to you at the top of this and just I would love to know like your relationship to the I am as a phrase, identity, like how you are navigating this world where identity feels like such a big thing and everyone needs to be like giving words to who they are. What is your like, yeah, what nuggets do you have for us in terms of how you navigate the I am? I am the I am. Nice. That's you know, and that's the I that's a biblical reference. And Jesus is talking about like I don't have a solid study of this, but I know that that's a biblical reference. And there's also there's a there's a section of it where it also encompasses I am the Alpha and the I make Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am I am the I am. And so that's really empowering if you if you think about it in terms of being greater consciousness. So right right now, something that I am aligning with is, I mean, just the presence of that. Like, what does it feel like to say I am the I am? I am the, uh, you know, the eternal, ever expanding presence of the universe. And I am this complex neurophysiological, biological being that has, you know, complex identity matrices built from blood and bone ancestry and this whole you know chart of my own soul's purpose of growth and experience and the star chart imprint and the path that that lies out so there's layers and layers of identity and a piece that I've always been really drawn uh, drawn to the reason I was working with that I am signature when we met is because it's also another way that it's related in spiritual technologies and spiritual wisdoms is the small self S and the big self S and the small Mm. self S being the, the ego, the personality, the self that I am in this incarnation and the big S self being consciousness, being God, goddess, being that which is ever, ever pervasive in all of the universe. So it's being, both of those things without that essence of megalomania, like it's not like a narcissistic expression. It's a very integrated, humbling, empowering expression of context. Where are we in the trajectory of all things? And I think it really love, it's lovely because it like builds in this relationship of what are we in context of, of, of all things, of things great and small. Uh, So 
yeah, it's just juicy. It feels very juicy. And there's something very feminine about it too, the, particularly the I am. Mm. And the I am and what that is, is living through us. So we, it's a living technology. It's a living teaching. So we're understanding it and shaping it. Consciousness is understanding and shaping itself through us. And we are understanding and shaping ourselves through consciousness as well. Mm. It's, it's an exogenous process and an endogenous process simultaneously. It's both inward and outward. Yes. Yes. And yes. there's some sort of limit that's a vessel that we are like, we are the vessel that feels like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Limits. Ooh, limits. limits. <laughs> Limitation. Ooh, limits. Yes. Um, I I love what you're I love your first response because you took it from the micro to the macro back into the micro like uh, a master uh, weaver right there. And it is all those things. And that's the like really cosmic, um, even maybe you could say Piscean view of it, like seeing every 12 of the archetypes in the wheel and seeing it all at once as iterations. And then also the the simplistic I am, which is just going back maybe to last week, the somatics of just like the simplicity of, of I mean, I have moments, I'll give a, a, a small example and maybe you'll be able to riff off, riff off this. I have totally sober, experiences where I will wake up and there is that kind of magic to the moment when you first wake up after a long sleep or even like a seven hour sleep, which is usually what I get. And I will look at my toe or my foot. And I have a really interesting moment where I'm like, I'm just deeply in my body because I'm still waking and I'm looking at my foot and I'm, I'm having a sort of psychedelic experience that I'm in a vessel. Like I'm looking at my foot and I'm like, that is something that I is a part of me and I am my foot, right? Like it, I don't know how to, how heady I'm going to get here, but it is a profound, it's a profoundly somatic experience that is simultaneously grounding and psychedelic, like, and otherworldly. But that to me is also just the I am go. Yeah, go. Well, yeah, it feels like the process that not everybody necessarily has access to, but is about what is a part of somatic experiencing and healing trauma is seeing the body as an object and not seeing the body as a subject and not an object. And we Mm. live, we're living through the fissure of a objectifying empirical science, um, strip it all down to the clinical outside observer kind of perspective and mechanizing the entire body, uh, taking the spirit, taking the self, taking the subject out of the experience. And it, disenfranchises us from our capacity to be in touch with the fact that we have a cellular makeup and a biophysiological makeup that is working. We have a fluid body. We have an earth body. We have a fire body. We have an air body. There are those elements working through our being. And when we start to come back into the body with that sense of consciousness that I am this greater experience and I am this body and I can feel this body Yeah, and we can become, we, we, you start to understand how the thought, um, neurophysiology embodiment, um, reality matrix works. And then you start to get a really good subjective view of what all of these pieces are doing within your body, within your system. And I think that it, it becomes very psychedelic. And sometimes people have to be on a psychedelic to be able to kind of have that experience of like being on mushrooms and looking in the mirror and being like, you kind of can't look at your face because you become subtly aware of like, 
how your body is impermanent and alive and mm. there's veins and arteries mm-hmm. and blood pumping through mm. it and pores. Your pores open when you inhale and they close when you exhale. Oh, we are such, ooh. We have like we're, al- we're alive. This is a living body. This is a I didn't know the thing. poor thing. Oh, oof. I've, you sent me. I'm so, I'm so hype, happy. For I you. learned I'm that happy. about picking nettles because nettles are super nourishing and, and nutritive and um, they have little spines on them. But if you pick them while you're breathing out, your pores are closed. So they don't get you. They can't get inside. Wow. Oh, that, and that sounds like ancient medicine right there. Yeah. That's ancient medicine. And the nettles are alive right now. Like that's a big to do here in the Pacific Northwest is like the crocuses and the nettles come out first. And now it's the daffodils and the buttercups, um, are waking up, you know, it's, it's spring up here in the Pacific Northwest and the Northern hemisphere. So yeah, we're, we're alive. And so I, I, I like that experience and also just have to say like, sometimes being in the body is uncomfortable. So yes. And also like being in the body is kind of uncomfortable. Like I, I think sometimes when I'm facing, um, issues of, well, when I'm facing like suicidal ideation, it's kind of, and I'm bringing it in from a spiritual perspective, I'm kind of like, well, spirit, the spirit of me is not this body. It's super expanded. And when the body experience is congested, is stuck in a pattern where it's in depression and in anxiety, in hopelessness, it's really understandable that the spirit's kind of like, okay, like we, it wants that expansive feeling. And we get that in the body when we're have access to feeling love, joy, connection, coherent, nourishment, um, a a hopeful vision. Like that is, you're getting to actually experience like the best of being human. And that's where spirits like, yes, that feels really good. I feel like I have a lot of room here Mm -hmm. to express. And for some reason, spirit also needs to learn about the darkness because it, it, I think it's about learning compassion and dynamism. Yes. And so, you know, speaking of identity and gender, gender like dynamism, it <laughs> feels yes. like it, it's, that's um, kind of a, a, a point of t- departure talking about dynamism. Yes. And the, I love that you brought up the word dynamism and, and dynamic, because that is actually a perfect descriptor for the energy we are moving into for the next month dynamism like being able to like be ready riled to go and move in many different directions quickly that's a very much part of this energy um yes it it, this is a departure point that has so many you can take simultaneous roads at this departure point as we've come out of like a cycle of grieving and um even death, one would say. I did want to bring up one thing really quickly about the developmental stage we are in archetypally. Mm. So just this is a thought idea that uh, a few of my teachers have used, and I really like it. And it looks at the astrological wheel in a developmental cycle of age and child, child, like adolescent development to, you know, uh, post-adolescent to adult, et cetera, all the way. And Pisces, life cycle energy. Exactly. You got it. Thank you. Um, life cycle energy and or life cycle archetypes. So we just came out in late March, we just came out of what would be considered the old person dying phase. So like an mm-hmm. elderly person moving into the uh, non-physical realm, uh, passing away. We are actually, as we record this, we are in that final week of some part, archetypal part of, all, of, of each of us, everyone who's listening and you and I is an old person 
passing away archetypally. There's something that is passing away and passing through us. That's why this season can feel very heavy. What's happening now as we speak for March 21st onward and your birthday onward truly, which is March 20th. Happy almost birthday. (laughs) So excited. Happy almost birthday. Yes. Beginning in your birthday, we start the cycle over again, this, the wheel, right? The wheel starts over again. And we are now archetypally a baby. That's why I used a baby in the first part. We are, we are in the developmental stage of zero to one years old. This is a, this is a pivotal moment. And we spoke about, you spoke about this last time where you said, you know, if a baby gets fed, but doesn't get touched and kissed and loved, it will die. And so we need so much at this point of view. Like there's, this is such a dynamic phase because it's like, you gotta, you got like the stakes are really high right now, you know, for your growth and for how, whatever baby is waking up inside of you and where it's waking up. So. Yeah. And that one thing that I want to speak into there is normalizing death and we don't have a healthy death culture here. So we don't have healthy death culture in relationship to being able to experience old age, decrepitude, um, passing on, experiencing and expressing grief in our culture Mm -hmm. western american european culture and so there's really there's that's a detriment you know to our psychological holism and well-being as individuals and as a culture and just want to speak into that that that's something to grow into and at a time when we're experiencing like a collective grief from a way of life and from people passing on and i had a lot of loss actually through these last couple of years and like none of it was even COVID-19 related. It was just, it it was time in my life to experience, you know, other people that I, and beings that I care about passing on in sudden and tragic ways. in in some cases, um, losing a relationship, losing a way of life. So, you know, these are all physical ways we lose relationship, partnership, um, job, security, home, those kinds of things. And then there's psychological egoic types of death and relinquishing in order for us to have rebirth within this lifetime and within this incarnation. Um, And we don't have really good relationship with that in part because we, you know, we don't have good relationship with slowing down and we don't Mm. have a healthy concept of slowing down, of being, of feeling depressive uh, and feeling Mm -hmm. low and allowing ourselves to do that within a nourishing framework. Something that's coming a lot up so much with my clients right now is when they're trying to relax, ground, nourish themselves. When they're there, they have an inner aspect of themselves. It's like, what are you doing? You should be doing something. You should be doing something on the to-do list. You should be productive. Because if you're not being productive, you're not adding value. Yeah. So and coming it, home to the body and to the feminine is add, knowing how valuable it is to care for the body for episodes of lowness of, you know, the grief of letting aspects of self go, even if it's aspects of self that need to go, like yep. we are in relationship with those things. It doesn't always feel good. Yeah. Um, so I just want to speak into a need, a growing need within, you know, our generation and the generations surrounding ours of elaborating on sharing grief and slowing down and allowing the deeper processes of unwinding because there is such fertile richness within that and knowing how to do it in a good way that it's okay to not feel good all the time mm-hmm. and how to be supported when we're not feeling good. So that's something that I want to speak into that. 
And the other piece I want to speak into is I'm like, talk, you know, it's, you have folks on here because they embodied the dynamism of, of particular aspects of the astrology. Yes. And like your girl right here is zero degrees era Aries. I've got Woo. my, Woo. my moon in late degree. My moon is in late degree Pisces. Um, my Venus is in Aries. Mm-hmm. I, I do embody this, this closing, this deep d- dying wisdom of the sage. And then this like Baby. newborn bright eyed fumbling, um, inspiration of Aries. Yes. And so, and then there's also this dynamism of the masculine and the feminine within yes. my body experience, my energetic template. And, um, that's something that I feel like would be fun to speak into, um, just, you know, you know, we have a big part of our relationship with each other is, uh, ongoing evolution conversation, integration, understand uh, philosophy and understanding about gender and gender dynamics and gender expression and embodiment. So that feels like an exciting thing to speak into. We've spent nine and a half years talking about gender. I mean, it's not yes. the only thing we have talked about, but I do believe, I do think it's fair to say that we've spent nine and a half years talking about gender and sexuality. I yes. mean, and spirituality. I think those are three things that we have really um, parallaxically worked around, worked around from all angles. I love that. There's so many things that you said where I'm like, oh, Martine Prechtel and grieving. Like there's so many things. I will I will do one plug that I will have a guest on in the next month or so who also has Venus and Aries. That's why she's coming on. Um, who is a death doula and will be talking to us about death culture and really creating infrastructure and architecture to grieve and to like have ritual around death. Mm-hmm. And it's so needed. And I, I really, I'm getting passionate here because it's, as you said earlier, Meg, it is so needed like yeah and and even the grief of and you said something where you're like your clients are afraid to relax or when they're relaxing they have this policeman voice come in and say what are you doing that's still a fear of death because that policeman voice is saying oh if you're resting you're dying if you're resting you're you're wasting away and it's like no there's there if we have an architecture and a rule book for how we navigate death loss grieving slowing down then each and every one of us our mental health will improve greatly our intimacy with others will improve greatly our intimacy with ourselves will improve greatly i wanted to say one last thing about you you mentioned suicidal ideation before we move on into gender which i'm very excited about <laughs> the thing about suicidal ideation that i find fascinating and this isn't uh, this is a larger wormhole i don't think we should go so deep into suicide specifically but i just want to mention my relationship with suicidal ideation because um in late in pisces season this last month so between uh, February 20th and March 20th, I had one day, I had one day this month. And sometimes it's more for depending on the year, but I had one day where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I had a, my, my, my nervous system was racked. I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I had a moment of suicidal ideation. It's very different because I wasn't thinking about what I was going to do. I just had a moment of like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to be alive. Like my spirit was like, I want to leave the body. I don't want to be here. And I think about those moments for myself personally, and I'm just offering this to the audience and to you, that those moments are powerful because they often for me are about a part of my psyche that is like, I don't want to do, we need to let this part of the psyche go so that we can move forward into the higher soul calling. And it, it will manifest in my ego as I want to die. 
and that and yet it is a psychic and psychological process that's happening that is very valuable and i've gotten better i just want to say that my experience is that i've gotten better at noticing i've gotten more used to or more practiced in noticing okay i'm having that it's real i'm not going to deny that it's not happening and it's also something there's something that my spirit is saying we got to we got to change this this has to change mm-hmm. and we don't have enough architecture yet and ritual in our society yet to navigate those moments with a lot of like support. Like we, we, in the Western world, we don't quite have enough support. So when the suicidal ideation happens for each and every one of us, we are like, oh, I should feel ashamed. I shouldn't reach out about it. Um, I'm gonna freak out about it or I'm gonna take a substance to run away from it, right? It, 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 it becomes very reactive very quickly. And I've learned when these moments happen for me, I just slow the hell down. I slow the hell down and I do what you said. You said this last week. I often ask my partner for a hug. I just, yeah. I'm like, I come up to her and I'm like, yo, like I need physical touch. I need 30 seconds, at least, at least 30 seconds of physical touch, you know? Well, and you need 30 seconds because it takes 20 or 30 seconds for that to even start like uh, helping you to adjust biophysiologically. Yeah. That, you know, there's a, thank you for sharing that because I feel like we should like link a suicide hotline info too just because it's like not to make light of it like yes it's it's a real thing like a desire to get out of the body and what i what i was hearing in your share is like your body needed rest yeah yes yes (laughs) my nervous system was racked it's like yeah it's like it needs rest it needs nourishment um in the variety of forms that we receive nourishment um deep rest is can be really hard to get to because it's hard to even access a state of allowing that state of renewal, that state of death, you know, psychological death. Um, And yeah, the ego it's, this is another reason why it's so important to have a healthy living relationship with what the ego is and what, what the ego of you is so that you can differentiate it from, you know, the the larger heroic story of your spirit um, of wisdom, inner wisdom of the guidance of getting through the cycles. and that's why it's also why renewal, like rest and renewal are just so important because you're not going to necessarily get there. And it's some part of your operating system, some part of the way you're approaching it is like, I just can't do it like this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is not working. So yeah. um, I'm sorry well, that definitely... you got to that point. And I'm yeah. glad that you have, have some resources and understanding like how to adjust that to have that greater perspective, yeah. you know, that spiritual perspective to, to keep moving through it and integrating it. Part of it is that I've been curious, and I think the word curiosity is really powerful in this in this dialogue because I've been when these moments have happened, some of which have been, and you've witnessed witnessed me in these spaces, and each one of us has been here in some format and so, to some degree, uh, you've witnessed me and witnessed me in moments of like physiological crisis, and I the curiosity that I've had for the process and really truly slowing the process down as it's happening and being curious about the process. So in, initially, I would beat myself up because this culture says, oh, if you're thinking these things, you're wrong. There's something wrong with you. That's what we are taught in, to some degree or another, that if you're having suicidal ideation or if you're having any desire to leave the body, there's some, you are doing something that is about to be very bad or you are doing something that is wrong or you are not keeping things light and happy and fun, right? Mm-hmm. So the shame spiral comes in, I think, very easily. And I I started working very diligently on being like, okay, I'm just going to be curious about what's happening. 
And most of the times when these moments do happen, I get caught up in the wave of it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm really feeling it. And my ego is like trying to buy it wholesale. My ego is like, yes, this is true. Everything about this is true. Oh my God, let's fucking go. This is so bad. And then, but I've been able to plant this like little guy in there who's curious. And this little being is like, huh. So I think you'll feel different in, in a day. And even if you don't feel different a day, you'll probably feel different in three days or a month. Also, what's like, is, do you think that maybe there's something you didn't process like a week ago or two weeks ago? Or do you think that there's like, there's questions that start to happen. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I realize, oh, right. I had a hugely emotional experience on my birthday this year, a hugely like a wild experience uh, doing it during a craniosacral session, Mm. so deep and so intense. And then I didn't fully have the time to process it because like you just got off brushed it off and started to be like went back into the regular operating system (laughs) right I know I just was like oh well I'm on vacation with my friends and my lover like uh we landed you know back in LA and by the time it's funny when you like land at home after traveling that's when your body starts to be like okay we can integrate now because we're at home we're in the safe place so my body started to integrate and my mind started to integrate and of course like like clockwork like luckily I start I'm my the thing that we're talking about, Meg, in a lot of ways is like, we're just, it's about applying consciousness and, and being a detective in your own life. This is something I say to my clients all the time, being a client, being a detective in your own life, taking notes, like a little notepad of like, oh, okay, that was a big emotional thing. Did I deal with it? I think so. But maybe, well, we'll just keep an eye out. We'll keep an eye out for it. And it might appear a week later or two months later or three months later, where you have to process it over again. And slowing down the moment when the wave comes in the emotional wave comes in uh or the the really intense self-talk comes in slowing that down and just creating curiosity just creates space and options and dynamism going back to that word in the process because the ego wants to make it black or white the ego's like oh this is this is good or bad and it's usually bad this is Uh, life or death (laughs) right like uh, it's time to go and it's about creating the a curious inner voice or just even like another voice that is curious outside of the ego voice that's really trying to run the show. I will link a suicide hotline in there. It is a, um, I was listening to Chase Strangio, who's an incredible uh, lawyer in, um, at the ACLU is a transgender rights lawyer. And he was talking about the rates of suicide, suicide among transgender folks and it's yeah, really intense. It hit me really hard. And Mm -hmm. I will link that. I will link some resources for folks. This is a time, um, it is a very trying time, but it's also really like a time to be alive, you know? Um, so whose life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Suicide rates went up. So suicide rates, domestic violence rates, all these things that didn't get any, I mean, I think some people are paying attention to that, but maybe the right people are, but that greater, you know, overvoice, the media, the statistics pushers were not really communicating about these other really great losses that we're experiencing yeah. because of the exaggeration of, of isolation and, yes. and fear and not being able to really know what's true. Like that came up for me during this last period of time is like, mm-hmm. I actually don't have a reference point for truth anymore and yep. I don't know it's true for me and I think that that's exaggerated in people that are um recovering from childhood trauma and traumas yeah. in their life because it's yes. already hard to know what to trust um, yep. you're already yep. 
at a loss for building coherent trust with yourself. And we, we, we live in a trauma culture, you know, mm. we, we live in a culture that is constantly too much, too soon, too fast. And that's just a baseline uh, trauma experience for folks outside of uh, the deeper experiences of trauma. Yeah. I also, so one thing I want to speak into is I think it's important, you know, I think for folks like you and I, who are people that are really wanting to position ourselves as thought leaders and um, educators and, and coaches and healers, it's mm-hmm. like, it, we could, it, we could choose to shy away from having conversations about our own journeys um, yeah. into the darkness and into the depths with mental wellness mm-hmm. and um you know, physiological, uh, biological wellness as well. But I would say that this is actually a really good template of role modeling what it is to even start to talk about, to build grief culture. Like we, yep. in order to start to build grief culture, we have to understand that our, you know, our leaders, our coaches, our physicians, our mentors are also people and a great yes. breadth of the strength that they're able to carry is because they have gone through it mm-hmm. and are not done going through it. They're continuing to be human beings that are figuring parts out. And I, something that's been, you know, holding me back is like, oh, how am I going to help people if, and I think this comes up a lot for, for people is like, how can I help people if I'm, if I'm can't even help myself mm. and, but, and then there's not true. There's that's, 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 a, that's a belief and a voice that's kind of keeping, um, the old way of being in line, but the reality is, is that we've, you and I are two people and and are, that have gone through a lot. (laughs) We've healed a lot. We've figured out a lot. And we're on that journey of like minutely trying to figure out what it is all about so that we can continue to communicate about it as a service of compassion to help get more people on the other side of choosing not to be here or not to be here in their full selves. So I just think that that's, I'm like, oh, this is actually really, this is really juicy. This is really luscious for uh, the vulnerability of this to stand up and be like, yeah, we actually face these kinds of things and we're strong and we need help and we need support. We're not, um, we're not, not human. We are human and we are, you know, going through the, the tragedy of this world too. (laughs) And and you and I are not two people that are just trying to be like, oh my God, it's really pretty. It's really good. It's only good. It's like, no, like, like my Scorpio placement is like, no, like it is hard. Like one of my mantras right now is like, I walk in shadow the shadow informs me I am balanced in the light yes. and and it's so that there's not a self-denial, you yes. know, which is also part of the dynamic dynamism that I have to speak about it, about, you know, gender expression and stuff, stuff yes. like that as well. It's like breadth of self, breadth of humanity. Um, and I was also thinking of Gabor Mate, who mm. is a brilliant clinician. He works with folks that have severe addiction problems might've mentioned him in the first round and I was looking at him and like this man has, he has poor facial affect, which means that like, or facial tone, like when you look at him, you're like, man, this person, you read him is sad. And like facial expression is a really important part of ventral vagal is our, is our safety tone of voice, eye contact, people are smiling. Um, 
And he like doesn't, I've never seen the man really like express like that. And yet you can read it. This man is somebody that has gone through a lot of trauma and actually doesn't read as like necessarily like I'm showing up and putting on a face that everything's okay. And yet he is helping people and like he helps people in his clinics and he's writing all these books and he's always out there speaking to people and he's educating new educators and leaders. So it's like also he's just like this archetype for it's like you don't have to be glossed up, beautiful, perfect and shining in order to bring the depth of medicine to this world that the world needs Needs. right now. And actually please show up in your multitudinous depth and sincerity and vulnerability so that we can really face this together and like not necessarily worrying about niceness that I know you've spoken about in past uh, mm-hmm. uh, podcasts mm-hmm. and like political correctness yes oh, and yes, not yes. at the not at, and not a not an not in a way that's like flippant and yes. um, disrespectful and narcissistic yeah. and you know gonna create a bunch of harm because you just don't care and you're gonna do what you need to do but it also can't be that like you're so afraid of doing harm that you're not coming out and like presenting you at you know yourself at where you are which is also gets could be a whole conversation about cancel culture but that's not necessarily what I came here to talk about about well I think being being open I think expressing this is going to segue us into talking about the I am and gender because this is this is the segue it's not just about you're saying like don't don't be flippant don't be like purposely provocative just for the sake of provocation but also don't be so afraid to say things uh to, about you know say things that so that you might get canceled and then you don't say anything at all right it's about actually just being willing and being patient to be in dialogue with other people and to learn from other people this is something that's just said over and over and over again because it needs to be said right now interestingly the more that you understand the breadth of who you are and the multivalence of who you are and the gifts you are meant to bring, the easier it is to be in dialogue with other people and to listen to other people. But if you are denying many aspects of yourself, then it is very easy to be super reactive and super, uh, it's called, it's called transference and projection. You know, you, you immediately are attacking the other person. Cause you're like, well, I don't let myself feel those things. So therefore, how can I even let you feel those things or think those things? Right. So it is so much, it comes back to what we were talking about on this podcast today. It's, it comes back to the, I am, it comes back to how do you develop an intimacy with the many ways that you are yourself and the many ways that the self is also the, the paradox of this conversation, Meg, that I'm really excited. I'm actually going to throw a, a, a question at you, but the, 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 the paradox of this conversation is that it's about getting to know yourself and yet the self is, is slippery. The self disappears sometimes. The, the, the Virginia Woolf has this amazing um, essay she wrote about how when you go on walks in a big city, you lose your identity. You actually get to take a break from your identity when you're on a walk in the big city because you're a stranger. All of a sudden, you're a stranger. You don't know anybody. They don't know you. You, you, you don't, you're not in a small town where everyone's like, hey, Megan, hey, Megan, hey, Megan, how you doing? Hey, nice to see you. You're in a, in a space where your identity all of a sudden is kind of slipping. It's like it's in and out. It depends. And especially with human design, if you have an open G center, yourself is definitely changing a lot depending on where you are. Um, so anyway, my question, my, my question to hand to you is if you were just to like, you're here on the podcast right now, who are you? My question to you is who are you? How would you describe yourself? What do you want to share about yourself? And it can be gender. We can start there, but it can be just, yeah, it's a big question, but I'm throwing it at you. <laughs> 
It's a big one. That's one of those, that's one of the major questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Why are we here? Mm -hmm. So self-making, right? Yeah. Creating, co-creating self within a framework of interdependent sovereignty, interdependent creative co-arising. Oh, you're going to have to break that one down for the audience. Inter interdependent yeah, interdependence is, you know, in contrast to independence, like right. in in the, in America's like pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you're going to do it yourself. There's this whole projection of inter, in, independence without like, you know, actual consideration of like luck, family of origin, um, mm. all of the systems that are in place that are supporting you, like the hospital and the water and the sewage and the <laughs> grocery store. Like, it's like, oh, I'm doing this myself. It's like, well, any any person's actually doing it within a matrix of support. So interdependence is act, is the reality. Interdependence is the reality, and then uh, interdependent creative co-arising is that you realize that you are in communication with yourself, small self, small s self, large s self. That you're in relationship with the universe, God, goddess. Uh, emergent design you're in relationship with something else and you're also in relationship with like the natural world and you are a, you know you're a product of the world that you're you're in and you're a product of the environment and the family that you come from mm -hmm. and so there's it, 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 there's a relationship between all of that and what has what has come mm -hmm. what is your operating system is what is the nervous system and how is it operating and so that that's that the, and then so that's the, that's a big piece of that is like we are we're working within a matrix of many and there are yes. seen and unseen forces within that creative co-arising so there is you know humility um individuation i know what i am within the uh complex of many mm -hmm. of the there, whole there's a phrase in um critical theory called singular within the plural and it's that mm -hmm. it's it's essentially different words and different like descriptions but it is essentially the same exact thing singular yeah. within the plural it's like how do you because you i mean we are inextricably interlinked with everybody else um just you know of course varying degrees but we are we are inextricably interlinked so the idea of like this sort of like neoconservative sovereignty and like i'm sovereign and i'm i i'm gonna choose to live outside uh, like outside of a government or etc that is that's trying that's trying to skip steps and cut things out that can't actually be fully cut um and so i love this idea of it's about you're speaking almost to like a balancing act of like being present with your own boundaries and your own needs and and learning how to honor them in a way that still is in dialogue and in connection and in intimacy with everything else that's inextricably interlinked to you. Yeah. And I, and I, there's been quite of like amount of self undoing that has happened as well for me. So it's like, who am I? Like, um, Megan Joy May, I'm the daughter of Melody Ann Mills, the granddaughter of Lillian Jean Britton. Like there is a lineage to, to who I am. Right. And then I also have this like evolving personal spiritual name that I'm, you know, understanding what it means. And it's gigantic. And it's like, I'm also Ostar Ishtar, 
um, Aurora, Oceana, Alchemaya, Omega, Magdalena. Like that's also who I am. And I understand exactly what that lineage is. Like to begin with, like Ostara is the spring. I was born on the spring. There is, there is information. There's a map of potential meaning making within the time of year and the celestial imprint of that I was born and why my soul would have come in at that time and how that, you know, contributes to, my energetics and my my view, my perspective, my capacity to um, understand myself in the world. Yeah. And um, I'm a single white female um, that's going to be 37. I don't have a husband. I don't have children. Um, you know, there's a very specific aspect of that being very non-traditional in um, a gender role sense, like having my age, if not having a, a, a husband and children, I should at least have like a really formidable career, like something like this. Right? right. And so there's this, you know, there's, and I'm, I'm an adult child of alcoholics and there's a reality right. lived imprint to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm living into myself as a priestess, which is somebody that understands the importance of holding sacred space, creating and holding sacred space for transitions yeah. for um, within the matrix of the elements and within the unseen realms to have connection um, at these pivotal times throughout the year celestially, throughout the pivotal times in individuals' lives and um, in a more general sense of, of the life matrix. Um, and then also within individual people, because individual, you know, everybody should have um best case scenario, everybody should have a really healthy general imprint of the life cycle Mm. um, that includes spirit and connection with the multitudinous worlds and dimensions. And then specifically, some people are going to have special gifts, talents, interests, they're going to be at a particular part of their soul evolution, where they're going to need a little bit of extra, you know, they're going to be popping through some layers within this lifetime, they're going to be shedding some karma because they're ready to do that. Um, so I'm an artist, I'm a coach. Um, I identify as a woman, but a place that has been interesting for me is a trajectory of gender identity, because being in relationship with you had me really questioning aspects of my essential womanhood. Mm. Um, and I've actually kind of come back around full circle to that, um, Mm -hmm. trying to understand, you know, the dichotomy of that was, and was like, oh, I have to be, in order for me to be cool, hip, and progressive within the evolution of what's happening, maybe bio-spiritually, but also like in um, culturally, I have to be I have to be genderqueer (laughs) or like I have to be trans or something like this. You know, there was kind of this idea that I started to get. And so then I I walked a matrix of that and was like, well, what does that mean to me? What does it mean to me to um, dislodge myself from an essentialist female woman identity? And I got actually really far away from what I now believe is the essence of my being. Mm. And I'll tell you what, that really wasn't serving anybody because I wasn't really able to be in service to myself. I really gave up this whole idea of like essence. And that came Mm -hmm. about from critical race, gender, and sexuality too, is really like deconstructing everything. You don't know who you are or where you belong. And so there in deconstruction work, there has to be reconstruction. Um, And so understanding that, you know, I 
that's that's not necessarily my essential identity that that's not I could have gone there like there was a moment when I was looking at looking at um the work of boy child who now goes by Tosh I was like seeing their embodiment and was like oh like I could see how I could really shift this thing in, in my uh this concept you know mm. it's a it has a lived experience but it's also within another dimension because gender is not gender is not our gen- our genitals that's no, totally not. true Definitely not. Yeah. G- gender belongs really it is much more fluid and, and nuanced and that's not just something that contemporary people are having just like gender is a spiritual technology yes and yes. and it's been Oof, here with us love that yeah, and it's been here with us a long time, and then they're just be with this, this mechanization, like everything's got to be capitalism, late capitalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it got into these, you know, specific roles that aren't, you know, and it's like a gender role is like a stereotype. Like, yeah, yeah sure, there are some people who are kind of living out that stereotype to some degree, and more or less, that stereotype works for most people some of the time. <laughs> yeah some of the time yeah but there but it's when it's fixed we're not fixed like we're I was saying before you look in the mirror when you're on uh um, on mushrooms or you sing your toe and you're like oh my god I'm like this living breathing evolving yeah. being Oof, also to speak in the fact that we are evolving beings yes we're we always are changing beings that are evolving we are not at the apex we are very much taught within the evolutionary matrix that like human beings are like the best thing that it has that this is it it's and the thing is it's like wow so Oh, this is actually it's a so really hegemonic. good yeah it's super it's yeah Oh, I can I I, I want to insert yeah, yeah. something because because no, you said it last episode. I think is so important. You were talking we were talking about nutrition, which was very Pisces Virgo. We were talking about nutrition last week, and you said something about how we were talking about veganism, and we're like, uh oh, uh oh, we're getting into like a territory where people are going to get upset. It's yeah. interesting because you were like, well, you said something very profound. You said, really, nutrition needs to be taken. You used a specific phrase, which I think biodynamic. Thank you. And it's bio-individual. It's bio-individual. Yeah. Bio-individual approach to nutrition, right? Yes. Where my, my diet, like if I try to put my dietary needs on you, Megan, that's not going to work. That's not going to work for you. And that's me being wild as hell, buck wild. And I think it's the same conversation with gender. And this is what, this is what I'm, you know, I think you and I are getting towards a place that's very exciting to me because it's not, I'm not standing here going, oh, uh, gender essentialist people are crazy or, oh, transgender people are crazy. No, no, it's not, no one, no one is wrong. Everyone's right. Everyone's right. But the problem is, is that the collective and currently how laws are being made are geared in a way that is violent. Absolutely. The laws are are violent because they're not bio-individuated. They're not saying, hey, everyone be who you want to be. What I heard you just say was, I understood myself essentially as a woman growing up. I then met a bunch of queer and trans people and was like, whoa. And then you fell in love with a trans person. You were like, whoa, my gender imploded. And and you can definitely speak more to that. I want to know from your words. And then in the reconstruction, you found yourself back at this point where you're like, I am a woman. And this is my definition of a woman. And this is, this is, and this is essential to me. This is, this is who I am. And this is how I define womanhood for myself. And right and I'm still walking through that because as I'm coming back into what that means and I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I had, I was living with uterine fatigue and blood imbalances and a lot of women are, and, um, 
way more than is necessary, actually yeah. like a, an epidemic amount. And yeah. um, it's, menstrual cycle is thought of as the fifth vital sign. Everything mm. about our health is wrapped up. Mm. In, that makes so much sense to me. It makes so much sense it, to me. Our Sorry. biophysiology is in the health of our blood and everything like this and our hormones and our emotions is our menstrual cycle. And there are so many women that are dealing with um, painful, uncomfortable, ridiculous issues and they don't talk to anybody about it. Yeah. And there's no, and then when you talk to a doctor, they say it's normal because it's common now because of all of the issues that are happening yeah. with uh, food and lifestyle and stress and everything like that. And we don't even have a culture where women are speaking to each other mm-hmm. about their bodies and what's happening because there's shame and, or they just figure that's what everybody else is going through. Right. Um, and so, you know, pain, irregularity, spotting during ovulation, which means you don't have a healthy fertility cycle, which yep. means you do not have a healthy life and a healthy body and a health of cre- uh, creative outlet. Yeah. And some of it's spiritual and some of it's nutritional and some of it's genetic and some of it's environmental, but it's like, as, but as I turn towards that world, it's like looking into this, the other world is like, there's kind of like, um, high flavor, white, spiritual woman, <laughs> super voluptuous, like big, beautiful breasts and booties and like long hair and like, and then, and then, and so soft, like their whole presentation, you know, if it, whether it's their marketing or not, it's just like such softness, such lusciousness. And like, they're, they're walking the Magdalene path and like, that's, and, 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 um, and then I'm like, oh, when my, the depth of my femininity is realized that's what it's going to look like. And so then that's another place that I compare myself. I'm comparing myself to the trans identity and experience. Now I'm, you know, comparing myself to a specific outlet of, you know, feminine expression. And that also gets a little bit wrapped up with like Neo Tantra and new age. And Mm. there becomes this very like love and light, luscious, very soft, very mothering. And that's all true about what the feminine is, but that's not all that the feminine is. And I had to start, this is also just very recently. I had to start being like, maybe that's not my most embodied and expressed <laughs> right. evolution. Like maybe I don't have to conti- like I was reaching over here outside of my, outside of my essence. And then I was kind of reaching over here outside mm-hmm. of my essence. And the reaching has been really informative as I reintegrate it. But yes. then I had to be like, well, like I kind of like being dirty and dark and messy and like I sweat and have BO and like some women like get Botox in their armpits so that they don't sweat. And I'm like, I'm never going to do that. And so like, (laughs) I am smelly and I'm like, oh, well, like I can't be this like soft, gentle. Oh, then maybe like once I evolve there spiritually, I won't be smelly anymore. (laughs) Like uh, these are all very anti-feminine, anti anti-woman things because it's like ooh birth ooh blood ooh shit and it's like the earth is also like composting shit into nourishment and that's also the feminine so it's identity is like identity is i think something that we can some people are constantly you know working with and um transforming and understanding throughout their lives Mm-hmm. Some more than others for whatever combination of reasons that is for them. And mm-hmm. I sometimes will envy people that are just like, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And it really works for me. Because I'm <laughs> they like, stay oh, in their lane. They're just like, so in their lane. Yeah. 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 And, and, and for, for me, it's like, 
it's coming home to the dynamic of like, well, you know, I really have to pay attention to like my Venus and Aries placement. Like there is a fire in my feminine. There is a, if, you know, if my, if my Venus was in Pisces, cancer, it would be different. Very different. (laughs) And so there's a warrior aspect to that. And the warrior, what is warrior? Warrior is masculine. And that doesn't mean it's male, but there's a sense of honor. There's a sense of it's principled, it's valued. It holds, it holds space for those principles and those values and what honor is. And something that I'm learning about what honor is when I'm when I'm honoring the truth of my heart, my womb, my coons, my third eye, my highest vision of myself is there's literally an energetic shield here. It's not a wall, but it's a shield that says, this is not for me. This is not for me. This is not for me. And so I'm not going to become entangled or enmeshed with that. And so that I'm more clearly communicating with my essence and the imprint of the God within me in the way that she wants to express herself in this moment because we're all evolving like to be like this airy season that's coming up now's the time to make all the choices and this is your last time to get it all right it's like actually we're kind of like okay we're, we're in a cycle here again we're in another in, cycle 12 months we're gonna be yep. back here in 12 months this and also and we're some of us will be back here in 150 years in a different form yeah so it's okay that you are wherever you are yeah. um i want to make a note about that too is not about just taking action it's about taking sacred aligned action action that is sophisticated Mm -hmm. and the only reason that you can the only way you can get there is by slowing down and attuning so understanding who you are and understanding who i am understanding that my what my gender looks like in order for me to 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 walk it and but then also make sure i'm not just like expressing misogyny you know Mm -hmm. what i mean is there are there places where i'm not expressing parts of my femininity softness or fire mm-hmm. because of internalized misogyny yes which we're all navigating which we're yes. all navigating exactly so it's it's super interesting too to like add on to what you're saying or elaborate or take it even in a, a parallel direction I hear you using words like feminine and masculine. And these are words that I've thought about. We've talked about a lot and I've thought about a lot and, and I, and even words like woman or transgender or all these words. And the more that you were talking about the menstrual cycle, I started to get really excited. There was two things that happened for me. I was like, Oh, there are, and I said, I mentioned this in my first podcast, there are many, many different ways that peoples around the world conceptualize gender and understand gender. You know, again, tribes in Africa being like, we assign gender at the age of five after we talk to the individual, after we talk to the five-year-old, like, again, it's, it's still a number that they're giving and assigning, but then there's other places where it's like gender changes depending on what cycle of, for, for folks, like what cycle of their hormone level they're on. There's literally places in the world where gender changes as you decrease or increase in juiciness. And juiciness is defined as ability to reproduce. That's all it is. That's fascinating to me. And the place that I, I think about when we use words like transgender or woman or man or male or female or feminine and masculine is I'm like, we will also one day get to, I think we are headed collectively into a space where these words become too crude and become too simple and not to take away from those identities that are being lived out. Those identities that are being lived out to me are religions. Like what you are speaking to me is I, I'm starting to understand gender as a religion and each person should have the freedom to express their personal 
gender religion, their personal, their personal, like, this is who I am. And, and maybe you like, just to use you as an example, maybe you share that with other people who are like, yes, like I understand myself in these X amount of ways. And I, I also am very tied in with menstrual cycles. And you're like, yes, yes. These people under, right. And it becomes less about us versus them or even dichotomies Mm -hmm. that feel to me, just like, it just all feels like they're um, compounding on the same thing. Like people who are like cisgender or transgender or people who are like male, female, I'm like, y'all, it's way more nuanced than that. It's way more complicated than this. It's way more, as you said, bio-individuated than this. And it's changing all the goddamn time for each and every yeah. one of us. I'm right now in like, a, am like testing out what it looks like to look like basically, you know, a form of Brad Pitt. Like, I don't know. Like, That's so fun. <laughs> it's so much fun, but I'm also like not attached to it. I'm like, who knows? <laughs> I also like want to be pregnant at some point. Like there are things that I'm like, none of these things are, um, they're not issues to me. They're not things where I'm like, oh, I can't be those things at the same time or someone else can't be those things at the same time. I'm like, no, it's a religion. This is the religion I'm choosing. This is, yeah. and I, you know, one thing that uh, my friend Janaea Khan said recently at one of our performance events was the thing that trans people did. And I don't know if it's specifically trans people, but I like, I'm just re-quoting them. They said that the thing that trans people did to the, to the pop culture society, to collective culture, cultural production was that trans people gave everyone else permission to create themselves. Mm. That's it. That's it. And that made everyone freak. That made a lot of people freak out because they're like, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. If you can create yourself and choose what you want, like what's going to happen to capitalism? Oh, you know, what's going to happen to social control? Yeah. Uh Oh, and what I love about your journey and it feels so I'm just so excited to watch you throughout the next couple of decades is like you have really like tasted. So you you so profoundly have tasted so many different things in your journey. And I love that. And you've gone to the when I met you, you had super short brightly dyed hair and mm-hmm. like we're really deep are you gonna in your say bush. the d word big dick energy no are you gonna I say dykey oh no i wasn't gonna say dykey i but i was like you definitely had big dick energy i mean i, I was like i don't know like, i very contained big dick energy yeah you were rolling and rocking like you were you know and it was very different than now and i love the di- i love the dynamism of of witnessing your journey um and how you know, you are able to be like, and this is also an identity or slash the way I'm positing it, a religion that works for me. Mm -hmm. And this is how I want to talk about it. And also I just, there's a part of me that like wants to land it because words. So the language is going to make some people not feel included. Like inevitably the language. I agree. I agree. And so coming home to myself has been coming home to being like, you know, this isn't transphobic what I'm doing, but this is self-affirming within my lived experience in my body and what I'm seeing within my society and what I can participate in shifting. Part of that conversation is always going to be open to gender realities that are different than mine, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to speak and it's about, you know, there's a part of this is staying in my lane. Um, and how do you stay in your lane without, you know, being like, I have to be super politically correct and say everything right. So everybody feels safe and everybody feels included. That's neurotic. That yeah. is not healthy. That is not an integrated nervous yeah. system. And also, it's really hard for every single individual to carry every single part of every single other individual's 
world. (laughs) So coming home to the self is really part of the medicine of that. And then feeling like you have a coherent nervous system, you know how to apologize, you know, when if you've done something wrong, you can apologize for it. And Mm -hmm. you also know when to be like, you know, that's, I'm not going to get canceled for that. Like (laughs) not where my heart is or where my consciousness is. And if it's, if we want to have a conversation with it, then let's have a conversation with it. Let's, let's get informed about what's going on there and not to put the pressure on people to, you know, gender, um, non-conforming folks, black folks, um, indigenous folks to do all of the brunt work of education for, um, the, privileged parties and yet at the same time those kinds of conversations instead of being like google it or i'm gonna get mad or i'm gonna project every uh issue within the collective on this one person because they're mm-hmm. they're expressing one part of the that collective imbalance that is not creating relationship and it's not creating connection um which i think is really important like we're gonna have to have relationship with people of variety varied identities in order to see the humanness in ourselves and each other yes so it's interesting i think the thing that i think about too that when i'm listening to you talk is that it is a lot about i think one thing that's so so powerful for folks right now as a medicine to these times that we live in that are so mediated through social media and are are just feel very like even the neoliberal side and the far left side it just all feels very police state like um and identity feels very policed in general michael foucault man he's like yeah <laughs> you got your yeah. little police tower inside you and you're the doing the work of the, you're doing the, the work of the matrix yeah and i think that's one thing that i think would be major medicine i know is major medicine is that i and i'm doing this with the podcast i'm talking to different people you know like meg i'm talking to my brother next week you know i'm talking to people who i share things with and i also don't agree with them on everything and i i love listening to people where i am getting uncomfortable and i'm like oh i'm uncomfortable and i think the medicine right now is being able to be present with an uncomfortability without saying i need to contain you I need to contain you because you're making me feel uncomfortable. That's what cancer culture is. That's all it is. Is it saying, I don't know how to deal with my discomfort or engage in a dialogue with you. So I'm just going to contain you um, and use this and use the mechanisms of social media to do that. And the second thing I want to say that I think is really powerful here is that this is about, I've done a lot of work as you, as you well know, you know, this very well. I've done a lot of work on -on one-on-one relational dynamics in my life. I've Mm -hmm. struggled a lot in my romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I have landed on that's so powerful that I'm going to drop here is that human beings, other human beings, human beings other than you are inherently is essentially annoying. People will annoy you. <laughs> Everybody in your life will annoy you at some point or another, many times throughout the day, potentially, or at least many times throughout the week. Even if you deeply, deeply love the person, right? Like I have a partner who I adore every piece of her and they're a pretty much once a day guaranteed she'll do something that I'm like Ooh, that, that's slightly annoying that's slightly annoying <laughs> and it's because we are differentiated vessels that are navigating each other and we are all each one of us is so complicated and how do you have these highly complex systems bouncing around with each other interloping with each other and not having moments where it goes you know like you know, not connecting or disconnecting. Mm -hmm. And the challenge in the disconnection moment where I hear you say something or I hear someone say something where I'm like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable. The the challenge in the disconnecting moment is to just be present with it 
and then not try to prove that someone's wrong in that moment, but be like, okay, this is, this is where this person's coming from. I want to know more. We're all again, inextricably interlinked. So there's something that we can learn from each other. There's a reality to this person's lived truth that they're speaking to. Like, how can I say that it's not real? Um, and then also how do we move forward and create, I, I think as an Aquarian, as someone who's so Aquarian, I'm always like, okay, how do we create new systems that integrate and create more space for everybody to have their own personal religion or like have their own personal thing that doesn't feel so um, combative with everybody else and feels so yeah. shut down. One place that that starts is by being able to have coherence with your own nervous system. Because if you can be in coherence, you have a capacity to hold more conflict. Yes. You know? Yes. It's what, what yeah. So it's like- That's it. Conflict. It comes back to the body. It comes back to the body. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back to, to the body. I, I did, I did a similar experiment, um, around the time of in 20, in 19, in 2019, 2020, uh, black lives matter movement really coming out and the, you know, political, uh, racial unrest that is, was being highlighted in our country. That is the history of this yeah. country that we're living yes. in. Yes. Um, and I was like, oh, like I, I saw, uh, you know, all these spiritual white women getting really conservative and then like, you know, I, I, speaking the language of like the conservative voice and people getting canceled. And I saw myself, you know, wanting to show up and be like, I just want to be good. You know, I just want to be good. And I just want to be like, I just want to love. And, and I don't want anybody. I don't want to get, uh, asked out of the social circle and then I was like, okay, that's not, none of that is, <laughs> none of that is like sovereign or, or there's no agency in that. There's yep. no coherence in that, um, neuro neurological coherence. And I was like, that's not even authentic. And yeah. so I also started to fall. I was like, okay, I'm following people that are clearly anti-trans and, and that makes me uncomfortable, but I'm also like, somehow these are my people though, too, because they're women who care about women's rights right. and the complexity of it. And they're afraid and they're very, very scared. And they're also being attacked by people who identify as trans. And this is, and this also, it's like, you can't just be like one person that identifies as trans is everybody that identifies as trans. Yeah. Some folks who do identify as trans are messaging her really horrifying, violent language that is incredibly misogynist that I won't repeat here because it's incredibly triggering. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, of course, the, of course, people who are trans identified are going to be like, screw this B because she is saying that we don't exist and we don't have a right to exist here as we are. Yes. And then of course she's scared because they're, they're saying the same thing to her. And so exactly. that conversation is happening where they're both violently communicating with each other because they're, they're afraid that their inherent identity is going to be diminished and delegitimized by the other person's inherent identity. Right. Yes. And then I'm this like, okay, the... that's really interesting. And you have to be this careful because is... it's yeah. like, which, where, it, you know, you start taking, a, well, it's, it's helpful to take on a lot of information, I think, because you can find yourself in it a little bit more instead of if I'm just following people that are anti-trans before oh I God. know it, I'm, I am like, no, super you are. Transphobic. It's, it's like, yeah. you will take that ideology on if you don't have a template of yep. like the, the curious inner part of you. That's like, well, what if we just check this out again tomorrow? Yeah. 
well, maybe you have something that's unprocessed here. It's like becoming also curious. And, you know, I have Libra rising, so I'm, I have Libra rising. And then I also come from trauma. So I'm like, there's kind of an exalted way in which I want justice. Yes. An integrated egalitarian justice. And then there's also like the, oh, um, I don't want anybody to be mad and I want people to like me. And then I'm also Aries where I'm like, F you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing my thing. I identify as this way, like deal with it. (laughs) Who am I? I'm all those things. (laughs) And it's not just like you are this or you are you're A or B. You're you are some expression in the middle. And I part of me feels comfortable speaking to you this about it because I know within our in-depth conversation is like within your own gender identity, you have a matrix of understanding of what that means to you. It's not just that, like, I'm trying to get to one side or the other of the pole, which yeah, is also yeah. mine. Like, it's yeah. like, oh, I have to be this feminine in order to be fully feminine or, or I'm not allowed to, if I'm this masculine, then and if I'm this masculine and feminine, then I'm not actually a woman. It's like yeah. trying to understand that there's just this bigger. I don't even think those poles are real. That's the thing too. It's like the limit. It's I think of Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls. It's like the limit does not exist. It's like yeah. the idea, the idea of the limit exists. The, but the actual limit the does archetype. not exist. Sure. But the which none of us can achieve, it. which none of right. us like, I'm like, not even like Dwayne the Rock Johnson can achieve it. You know, the dude probably cries watching Shrek. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it is so, it, again, it's a religion. That's why I'm using the word religion because I'm like, it's a belief system. Yeah. That some people are using hege- hegemonic way through lawmaking and through being like, this is how people have to have codes of behavior. And then there's people, I just, I am advocating for a world where it's like, you can say, yes, I am this. This is what I believe myself to be. There are other people who believe similarly to me and we mm-hmm. commune about it. It is not the only people I commune with, but it are, they are important people to me. It's affirming. They, it's, it's very affirming, affirming to be able to, to be feel within affirmed. a community that's like, I experience life in this very specific way and the matrix of very, very different ways of experiencing. Yes. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And then what's that like for you? <laughs> I think it's a lot about respecting yeah. differentiation and respect. And like, that's the thing that I think humans really struggle with. This is what we were just talking about is people go, oh, your identity, making room for your identity means that somehow which again, this is the trap of capitalism. It's like, it's a competition all of a sudden, like whose identity is more fucking important. And it's like, right. And then- Well, it, it, and also which identity are you not going to get killed over? Exactly, right. And because that's also real. So it's like, it, that is also real. Like our black trans women are yeah. highly targeted. Yes. And that community is suffering. Yes because of what we're in in a thread of why that is is because of the issues that we're speaking into right now in real time in live time through two people who have golden hearts of unconditional love and are trying to understand their own you know truth and reality and have been able to find a lot of love for each other in that walk as well so there's just you know an embodiment of that template as well as And we're, you know, we have certain privileges that um, overlap and then we have certain identities that don't overlap. Mm -hmm. Um, And those identities are not necessarily, you know, a privilege. So, and I think it would going forward, like a a world, a world that I am working towards. And I actually believe that you are working towards as well, although I I may perhaps should not speak for you, but I will speak for myself in this moment and say that the world that I am working towards is one where there is room for everybody to 
identify as they choose in a way that doesn't incite competition or la or this scarcity mentality where they feel like their identity is going to take away from another's identity and working towards a, a world where lawmaking and social decorum and social coding, social rules are not pinpointed at, in my opinion, arbitrary descriptors of whole groups and populations of people that keep those people deeply subjugated, right? I agree with you. And I would say that my current understanding and relationship with the sacred divine feminine would be that she would have it be the same. Yeah. And that part of the reason that we are experiencing this issue in the first place is because we have gotten so far away from a broadened, expressed, embodied relationship of the sacred feminine. And we, we, we identify with and amplify the sacred feminine to heal the masculine. And the masculine and the feminine are the gender that's part of the gender technology. That's mm. part of the spiritual technology of gender mm. is these two forces that have relationship with each other and hold each other within the other. Mm. Mm. They don't exist. The feminine doesn't exist only as the feminine. That's why there's a spectrum. That's why Venus can be an Aries. Yeah, totally. Yes. And so that's also a, a greater breadth and complication, you know, a conscious complication of what's happening here. There's a dynamic expression of embodiment of, of reality, and that's a little bit more imbalanced. So, and that's why I'm really choosing this path of, of the sacred feminine. And also it's like, I have to disrupt that path in my own embodiment too, and be like, yeah, it's like about the sacred feminine, but it's also like, not just only this way. Yes. It's like, it embodies in many ways. It's only, it can it only be this way. And if it's only yeah. this way is the only way that the earth is going to get healed. It's like, Oof, yeah, trap. Trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are but, a lot more dynamic than that. But you said earlier, like, it's also about staying in your lane. And, and what we mean by staying in lane, I, I, it's, it's a, it's slightly a paradox in the sense that staying in your lane is riding the wave that you resonate with, that you feel like empowered by, while you're constantly also expanding and changing into a lane that is, is it's moving. There's a trajectory to the lane. It doesn't, it's not fixed. The lane is never fixed, but I'm also, what I hear from you to reflect back is you're like, I'm not going to try and act out what I think other people need from me so that I feel palatable to everybody. I am going to stay in this kind of boundaried limited and disciplined place where I feel like this is my work. Right. And sometimes an identification goes with work. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I can speak from my side of it. Like I am developing really profound creative relationships with other transgender, like people who identify as transgender men. Like that is something that I identify with. I also sometimes shirk that definition because I, I understand that there's also other things happening, right? So I have my own tension with these with these identifications, but I also am developing intimate relationships with people who have made similar biological decisions that I have made, right? Have biohacked their body in similar ways and therefore experience things hormonally that are similar to me, okay. um, right? Yes. Um, and then we're using right, words. Hormones so important. So like to be able to commune with other people who have a similar hormonal matrix as you do, like- it's powerful. That's very powerful. It's, it's needed. Very I think it's needed. <laughs> and I would say a, a piece that I want to just touch in about is like my, the last thing I want to say is that the thing that I was disenfranchised from in my sexuality 
and how that relates to my gender sovereignty and expression is that it was not templated for me that sex and sexuality and sensuality is sacred, mm. spiritual, and holy. Mm. And that's so much of what my essence is, is around sex, sensuality, sexuality as a technology. And that doesn't have anything really necessarily directly to do with like penis and vagina intercourse, though it can include that, but it just has to do with understanding that the body and its sensual expression, its creative capacity, its creative sensual energy is a spiritual technology and that it should be understood and honored and revered in that way. And you know, you know, I'm coming in with these tantric channels in human design and 25th gate. And it's like this big template for me is to be like, oh, like it is important to bring back the sacred. Sacred is that which fortifies and nourishes life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, and we have to recognize what those things are because they provide the capacity through fortification and nourishment of life. And that's a structure and fortification and nourishment is a masculine structure. DNA, yeah. that's a masculine structure. Fractals, that's, you know, it's it's structure, which is masculine. And it, and it synthesizes and organizes and brings in the multitudinous of the feminine. Yes, yes. So we're we we ha- we're not in relationship with that. Um, we're disenfranchised from that. Yeah. M- men don't know that it's okay to cry, to be soft, to, um, to be gentle, um, that they can be those things and they can be strong. There's just so many, you know, there's structures. So, there's so much work to do. That are so much work to do. dilapidated and need some ancient future technology updates. And um, yeah. we're alive and we're human and that's something really beautiful in that. And there's mystery to it. And, and we can categorize a lot of these things. And, and that has real lived, lived influence and impact. And we also have to get a little bit outside of those boxes to see a bigger picture. Um, and we, we need to heal our bodies. Everybody needs to study somatics and have a somatic practitioner (laughs) and just slow down and pay more attention to your body and be a detective, be a detective with your body and then be a detective with your, uh, the big one too, is being a detective with your thought patterns and your, your reactive states, your states where you start to feel really amped up. Um, yes. And this is, I would say the the final thing is like, this is the time of the year, tis the season to like really put yourself out there and and proclaim I am in one way or another. And I'm going to give the caveat where it's like, I am, and also I am with an asterisk on it. And the asterisk is I am expanding. Like I am opening up, I'm coming out with the paradox of having an identity is creating a limit around who you are at the same time as you are opening up to other people's identities and therefore your identity is being changed in that very exchange with the other person. So it's both of those things. Well, Megan Joy May, thank you so much for being on the World of Rex. I am going to link your website and your socials in the links associated with the podcast. Do you have any final things you wanna say in terms of um, your services for people to contact you, et cetera? This is your time to shine as we move into spring. Yes, (laughs) I know. Uh, Taking sophisticated action. I'm 
launching a course called Cycle Consciousness on April 15th will be Ooh. the last sign up date. It starts on April 16th. It's $1,111. The container is open for eight folks. And it will be very specific about, it's kind of like that education that you didn't get about the fertility and ovulatory and menstrual cycle. Um, that you didn't get when you were younger that you need to know now and there'll be some anatomy physiology and it'll definitely be um, a matrix of of spiritual um, mystical integration as well some spiritual technologies will be spoken of integrating that sacred into the sexual into the sensual and it's my goal that the folks that join me in that class learn how to take exquisite care of themselves throughout their hormonal cycle and that they will learn how to do that first yes and that we really have to put our our sacred realities and wellness first in order to be resourced for others yes so come and join me in um, creative cycles you can find that on my website and when you click in it's just about um setting up a call with me so that we can make sure it's a, a good fit for you amazing yeah Thank you so much again. I appreciate your bravery, dynamism, audacity as we move into spring and um, doing back-to-back episodes. Thank you so much. Yes. And thank you for listening to The World of Rex. I am Marvel A. Rex. You can reach me at my website, marvelarex.com, at Marvel A. Rex on socials. This was the vibe check for the week of March 20th to the 27th. We will be back next week with an exciting new guest. Until then...